my family was always really a really hardworking family and stuff, but no really military experience or anything. So I thought it would be a good good thing to go out and try and experience, especially at a young age, experience something different than my parents had like provided for me. So uh, when I went to Plattsburgh, which was the school I went to first, I was 17 and I signed up for what's called the Reserve Officer Training Corps. You're basically just training to be an officer while you're in college for four years. And then when you graduate, you become a commissioned officer. So I did that for a year. Uh, I was in insane shape from like sports and high school and stuff. And I took it very seriously. I had like a 3.5 GPA and I was the top cadet for the freshman class. Tom actually scored in the top 4% on his entry exams which means he basically could have done anything he wanted in the Air Force, except work on computer engineering for aerospace technology. Which means that I was poised to get a scholarship, which they explicitly told me about. There was paperwork in the midst, and I would get a stipend, but I would be contracted with the military for eight years post-graduation. After a year there, Plattsburgh's what's called a satellite school for ROTC, and, and the, the hub was uh, University of Vermont. So when funding was being cut, they took the program away from Plattsburgh, which means they no longer had scholarships to offer, and they no longer offered the classes at Plattsburgh State University. When they when they took that away, it was really like a, felt like a low blow, like, you know, to put it, like, bluntly, it, it just felt like getting fucked, like, you know, it felt really, really devastating. So, I wound up applying to New Paltz. A lot of my friends who the same thing happened to were from around here, and they wound up joining a local Air National Guard unit um, the 105th Airlift Wing, which is out of Stewart Air Force Base. Um, and the job I, I signed on for was called Security Forces. But, you know, after a year of that, I went to basic training. And that, you know, I, I took my school very seriously because of it. I didn't drink very much. I, you know, didn't do drugs, didn't anything like that because I was, you know, I was on a contract with the U.S. military and you don't really, you know, you don't mess around when that's going on. I went to basic training and the first couple days of basic training, they pump you full of shots. Everybody's yelling at you. It's the most intense part of anything because they're trying to scare the shit out of you from the get go, um, trying to break you down. And, and, you know, it's successful on everyone. They've, they've figured it out pretty well. The antibiotics will end up having a negative effect on Tom's body, and he was put on bed rest for over a week and a half. I wound up going to a thing what's called med hold, which is they give you like some armband. You don't really do anything. You're on bed rest. You can't move for days. They give you like a book if you want it. And you just sit there and and wait to get better. And, you know, you have doctor's appointments and stuff like that. They started asking me questions about my medical history, which I had disclosed to my recruiter. And, and you know how recruiters are. A lot of times, if it's a small thing, you know, let's say you have a very acute case of asthma, they'll tell you, don't even bother reporting it because they're going to tell you you can't join. But because I technically lied on my uh, my entrance, entrance, like medical tests and stuff, they wound up telling me that I had to go home. And I, you know, I was, I was going to get medically discharged. But I think the most devastating stuff for that was the afters, you know, um, to look around and see what the, you know, all the other people in Medhold wanted to go home. They all wanted to do all this stuff. And, I, and there I was like fighting to stay, you know, this is what I wanted to do. I've been working so hard for it. I've worked at different avenues for it because it all happened so fast. It was within like a three or four, I think it was four weeks. I was there total or three and a half weeks. So when you're prepared to be gone for seven months and then in three, three weeks, you're, you're home again, you know, two days before I started classes, I was in Texas, you know, Lackland Air Force Base, San Antonio, Texas. And then two days later, I'm, you know, with a bunch of other college students. So from getting screamed at to going back to college is a big shell shock, you know, and especially because it hadn't dawned on me what actually happened yet. And I think, you know, up until maybe a few months ago, it was still really affecting me. You know, when I came home, it was affect it affected my relationship. It affected my relationship with my parents. Um, and, you know, 
when a lot of my friends were involved in stuff like that, this work I've been doing for at this point, it was over two years. It, you know, it was a large part of my identity was like this guy recovering from this, this real big disappointment. Um, so for, for the, the biggest thing was I'll never forget right before I left was, um, my dad, you know, my, my dad's not a hugger and, and my dad gave me a handshake and, uh, gave me a big hug. And he said, you know, he was like, he's like, you know, it takes some real balls to do this, which, you know, he's like, I'm real proud of you, you know, and then to come home and, and have to look them in the faces again and feel like someone who had failed was just, you know, really hard, you know, calling them on the phone and stuff, you know, they were very supportive and they understood what was going on. They even seemed a little happy because, you know, it was a dangerous thing. It wasn't like I was going into fixed planes. Like I was going in for, um, basically the equivalent of the army's military police called security forces for the air force, which the deployment rate for the unit was, I was in was about 90%. So 90% of the unit gets deployed at some point, um, to Afghanistan, to Bagram air, air base. And actually recently one of the guys from my unit just, just, uh, was, was killed by a, a suicide bomber at, Bagram Air Base. So it just felt like I was disappointing myself and disappointing them more than anything because, you know, they were bragging to their friends. They were all stuff like this. And now here I am three weeks later back and going to school. And, and you know, people are going to ask about me. And I just felt like such a failure for them to have to answer with, oh, well, it didn't work out, you know. But to come back to school and then every, you know, almost every day was, was someone asking me what happened. Like, why are you here? And then to have to explain myself just and then, you know, later on have to call my parents and feel like a failure. It was just very, you know, my days were very long. There was definitely an air there that people could see even if I didn't want them to. Um, and that puts, puts you know, friends in a really tough position because they don't want to abandon you. But also it's a very tough time for them because, you know, they have everybody has stuff going on. So so when someone has something like that and they're still trying to live their life and you're trying to help, but it's very hard to help. I'm sure that takes a toll on other people as well. You know, there was a long road to recovery, and I think that one of the hardest things is feeling like your identity has been taken away or, or that you don't have anything to work towards. And I, 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 I'm starting to look at it now in a more mature light that, that those experiences and knowing how the world works a little bit more is a very positive thing, even if it was a negative thing at the time. And it lets me look at people in a new light that I don't know what's going on with them. You know, for someone like me, when, when people would ask me, I would just say, oh, I got kicked out because I had asthma because I don't want to go into when I was a kid. I had stomach problems and stuff like that. So you really don't know unless you know someone personally, you know, especially if they're they seem distraught or something and they give you a short answer. You don't know what's exactly going on. And I think that's a really important lesson for anyone is just compassion for other human beings, which is not really what you would think you would get in the military. You know, when you have a story like this or, um, you know, an event like this happens to you or a traumatizing thing. Um, and I mean, I know that there's worse things than this to happen to someone. And that's a big thing is, is to just not like lose yourself in the process of something bad happening to you, you know, to give yourself an opportunity to find yourself again and not let it become who you are, you know, not let the bad things in your life become who you are. And that's what, what really stuck with me is when I came home after a couple of months, that's what my dad said to me. And he looked me in the eye and said, this is not who you are. And don't let this become who you are because you're such a great person. You have so much to offer. And there's no reason to let this be who you are. Tom later told me that even though he has been medically discharged, he still has the option to re-enlist in six years, but feels that the process has changed his outlook on his life and his career goals. From Hawkwire News in New Paltz, I'm Michael Frankfurter.